Something is gonna happen tonight that could either be really wonderful or absolutely crushing for this sports card market. We'll tell you what it is and what we think next on Cards on the Table. Hello, sports card investors, and welcome to another episode of Cards on the Table, our fast-paced talk show where we cover important topics across the world of sports cards, and we've got some good ones today. Joining me for this conversation, as always, Teapot, welcome back to the show, sir. Hello, sir. Hello, hello. Doug, how are you doing today? You well? Kentucky season's underway? Yeah, it's basketball good season, baby, yeah. It's basketball season once again. I mean, I know we're not going to talk about football season after that loss to Vanderbilt. I'm so. surprised you're even wanting to talk about basketball season. Florida just lost to FAU. All right, let's shout talk. Out, let's quick continue. shout out to uh, Cameron, who runs our Discord for us. Let's, He's an FAU guy. Let's, uh, let's continue on with the show. We won't talk about Vanderbilt. We will talk about what is happening tonight. Tonight, there is a massive, massive auction ending of all kinds of high-end sports cards. And the reason why this matters to you is we have not seen an auction recently that I think has this big of a selection of notable cards all ending at the same time. And, and this, this concerns me because the sports card market has dipped down over the course of the last month. We know it's not been a great year overall for sports cards or any form of alternative assets. But now we've seen cards come down a little further recently. And we've seen other alternative assets such as, for example, gosh, cryptocurrency absolutely crash recently. Could that mean that cards tonight end at a whole bunch of all-time low prices and people begin to panic sell? Or could we actually be impressed with where some of these cards end and it gives us confidence in the market despite market conditions? Now, let me tell you what some of these cards are, just so you know. These are all in tonight's PWCC Premier Auction. You've got the 2018 Luca National Treasures Logo Man one of one. Now, I will say about this card, we were all worried that this card could sell for less than $2 million. It yeah. was a the card is already well, well over that. So that's a good sign. There's also a Michael Jordan 1986 Fleer PSA 10 that with buyer's premium is already at 192,000, which is actually above where some of those have sold for recently. It is a particularly exceptional copy of it though. But you've got other massive cards. You've got a Tom Brady playoff contenders, rookie ticket auto number to 100. Those have been falling in price recently. You've got one of the Luca 2018 Luca Prism Black Golds number to five. We have not seen one of those come on the market at all recently. You've also got a Ja Morant black gold prism number to five. You've got Patrick Mahomes 2017 contenders rookie ticket auto one of one. And you've also got his prism black finite rookie auto one of one as well. And you've got Bryce Harper's super fractor from 2011 plus an amazing array of other really, really high-end cards. Can the market handle all of this, or is this going to be a catastrophic event tonight? What do you think, Doug? I have a hard time imagining that all of those cards do well together, right? I feel like buyers, these high-end buyers, are going to have to pick and choose which ones they prioritize. So while some of these might impress us, you know, the Luca is already doing better than I expected, some of these might get really hurt in the process. 
So, you know, I don't know how much this impacts our card market overall, these being so high-end and disconnected from what someone like me would buy. But one thing that I find that's really interesting and a question that I have about this is these auction houses, do they have any sort of responsibility to space these out a little bit for their customers' sake? They've got customers that are, you know, submitted these very high-end cards that are now going to compete against other very high-end cards, and they might get hurt in the process. But if they do that, if they start to space these out a little bit, are they, you know, kind of participating in market manipulation a little bit if they were to do that? Um, that's my question is, do they have any responsibility to their sellers to help them by spacing it out? Or is that not okay because it could be manipulating the market? That's a really interesting question, right? And on one hand, I'm sure the auction house, in this case, PWCC, I'm sure they love all of the eyeballs on this auction tonight. Big cards bring big eyeballs, bring a lot of traffic to the website and they attract a lot of customers and they enhance their branding, so I'm sure they love that. On the other hand, if several of these cards tonight sell way under recent comps, market value, wherever you might expect these to sell, then it could have the opposite effect. It could, it could show people that, man, I gotta be careful about sending my cards off to this auction house or another auction house because they're selling for, for less, but can they really space them out? I don't know, on one hand, you do kind of want them to protect people, but on the other hand, who knows what other cards they have in the queue that could be coming Bingo. to sell in December, yep. January, February. This could just be the beginning yep. of a lot of big cards being sold off. And if they push some of these back, then you could have other cards fast following that, you know, that now they've got bigger auctions down the road. And what happens if the market drops 10 or 20% over the course of the yeah. next 30 or 60 days? And then do yeah. they owe those customers back that money? That's, that's a slippery slope. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Oh, that was my exact comment. We have no idea what else is in the hopper, what else is out there. And not just on PWCC, but obviously with the other auction houses, not that they'd be collaborating on that. But I, I think there's three main factors. And these are things we've been talking about in past episodes. The first is really your personal financial stability and security right now. There's a lot of layoffs happening, especially at big Fortune 50 companies. People are feeling it in many ways. So that's the first thing is just how much you know, liquidity and stability do you have to be buying, whether it's a massive card or something that's just massive to you, to your own PC. The second thing is what's your confidence level in the long-term long stability of cards as, as an investment vehicle, as somewhere where you can park money. And the third thing is opportunity cost. How much, you know, where do I want to put my money relative to this card, to this real estate, to whatever else you might be doing with it? I do think there needs to be competition for, for when you're looking at a card for the price to go up. We always talk about how the real value of a card is what the next closest person is willing to pay for it. So if somebody's willing to pay five million bucks out there for that Luca, but the next closest guy or gal is at 2.4, 2.5 million, that card's not going to sniff five million. And I think that's a really interesting dynamic. There's been times in the past where a lot of cards that I was targeting all suddenly hit auction on mm -hmm. eBay at the same time or PWCC, and I was forced to pick and choose yeah. Yeah. as opposed to being able to slow drip myself into those cards over the span of two, three, four, five months. You, everybody has a budget, hopefully, that they're spending, and you can't always you know, scoop them all at the same time. So I, I'm watching kind of with bated breath. I do think Doug makes a point that some of these are out of the threshold of a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, they are. And there's a lot of people who also... Um, are probably cheering this on because they just want to get in at lower prices on more yeah. cards for themselves. So it's kind of a, you know, you see it from both sides. Some people are real enthusiastic about things coming down. Others of us are saying, I kind of liked it yeah. when my values were going up. Yeah.
I'm going to be watching it closely. There might be some buy opportunities on, well on a few of these. Probably not the most most premier cards, but maybe the next level under that tonight. Maybe some of those kind of get a little forgotten as some of the money's being thrown after the biggest cards, and that's where people are really focusing. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. By the way, they've got a uh, they've got Giannis's 2013 select yeah. one of one black. Do you Christmas notice that? present. All right. <laughs> I don't know if it's been that good of a year, T-Pot. We'll see. Right, I, I don't know if you've been that good. Maybe 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 next year. Markermoversapp.com. By the way, shout out to Patrick Ryan. He's been covering this extensively on Instagram and pointing out all of these sales, all these cards. Hey, look, fingers crossed it's a good night tonight for the sports card hobby. Fingers crossed we see that Luca go for a strong price and some of these other cards go for a strong price. I certainly hope that's the case. But we'll see what happens and we'll see what it means from here. All right, before we get into our next topic, guys, we've got a very special announcement to share with you. There is a new documentary coming out this Friday. Well, gosh, tomorrow. There's a new documentary coming out tomorrow about the sports card hobby called Behind the Card. This is a really well done documentary. You've got athletes in it like Josh Jacobs talking about how he collects cards. Uh, there's even a, a really cool little appearance from Kobe, a real unique clip of Kobe in the movie, which is really, really neat. Um, and you've got, uh, you've got big names uh, from across the sports card hobby. President Panini's in there. Head of Beckett uh, is in there. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be in there as well, which is really cool. Steve Aoki's in there. You even have Vegas Dave as the villain of the film who's going to show up as well. It's really well put together. It's called Behind the Card. It comes out tomorrow. It's going to be in theaters in a few major cities like New York, LA, and Chicago, or you can get it wherever you are on Apple TV. It's gonna be on Apple TV. I think it's $12.99 to buy on Apple TV starting tomorrow. Definitely check it out. We're also gonna have the, uh, the creator of the documentary, the producer of the, of the documentary, Chris Fitzgerald. He will be on this show Saturday morning. We're gonna do a special episode Saturday morning to give you the trailer and a preview in depth of behind the card. So check that out. All right, let's get to our next topic, guys. This is the data dive. And last week we had a conversation about how much on-field performance affects card prices. That conversation kind of inspired you to dig deeper into the data. And then this last week on the Market Movers YouTube channel, you did a much more in-depth analysis about how much that affects card prices and what are the various factors that that cause card prices to go up and down. I think you had some kind of interesting findings. Yep. Give us some of the highlights of, of what you discovered. Yeah, I mean, we talked last week, does, does performance impact play? And I said, yes, that is a factor to a point. We see some short-term boost for the right players when they when you break out. Uh, I also talked about like big highlight reel moments. Justin Jefferson comes to mind this oh, last gosh. weekend with that absurd like one-upping OBJ with the catch that, was that he incredible. made. Was that, and yeah. I, not to interrupt the flow here, but was that the greatest catch that you've ever seen? Well, Notre Dame's wide receiver had a heck of a catch on Saturday, too. Is that the you greatest that catch one, you've ever seen? Up. It's up there. Certainly, yeah. Notre Dame's not in the conversation to be. I remember, oh, I go geez. back to college, and I remember Tyrone Prothrow for Alabama catching it behind the guy's back. Yeah. But that's been replicated a few times now. We've seen people catch the ball behind other players' back. What Justin Jefferson did, I don't know that I've seen one quite like that. I'm going to call it greatest catch that I've ever seen, especially because it was absolutely pivotal in the game. Uh, David, fourth, David fourth Tyree's catch in the Super Bowl that's was pretty true. insane, too. That actually, that, that, actually, that actually, that was a big I was at the Super Bowl. All right, yeah. I take it back. Second greatest catch I've seen. Okay. Sorry. So obviously those are, you know, I talked about uh, personality and charisma. Does this person, you know, carry some kind of energy that people really gravitate toward? And that can be somebody like Giannis, who's got that fun, you know, sort of demeanor, or somebody who's a little more of a villain, you know, the kind of T.O. guys, and they always had a lot of uh, energy around them. 
Um, and then I talked about kind of the iconic aspects of signature cards. So you think about the, the Billy Ripken card, you think about the Bo Jackson card, you think about John Morant's with Young Dolph. There's different reasons that a card goes up in prices suddenly too and gets notoriety. Uh, and you know, just to show since then, the data kind of take another look, we're talking about football and I've pulled up price movements and just looking at the last 14 days, the top five guys who have gone up Sauce Gardner's been all over ESPN. Every time I'm hearing sports radio, they love it's him. like they love him. They're just they're it's like the next Darrell Revis. I think he's kind of set the precedent. And it's hard to come by uh, you know, a, a cornerback who's really making a name for himself. He's locking guys down. Well, and he's got a great name. And he's got a great name. He's help. got a great name. And that was one of the points. Uh, <laughs> Justin Justin Fields obviously breaking out the last few weeks, in spite of the Bears losing uh, to my Lions. And Geno Smith, obviously, just like Seattle's in first in that division. Who could have seen that coming? He's good everywhere except, yeah. except Germany. Cole Komet, fantastic. Notre Dame tight end. Multiple touchdowns in the last few weeks. And Justin Jefferson putting up huge numbers. But I think that catch, the iconic moment, the highlight reel moment, also really does help guys' prices. So there's a little bit of truth here to all these points. Yeah, I mean, these are all very, very fair points. I 100% agree. Doug, any takeaways on this? That means we should see a Heineke bump, right? He just That's, took down the Eagles. So. Yeah, I think he has one card. <laughs> yeah, we'll take it. Um, so we've talked a lot about things that might be underrated aspects. Um, one of the things that I find underrated about you know, a, a player's card prices is individual awards or team achievements. I, I feel like so often we see when the player finally gets that MVP or the, they finally win that title that they either plateau or drop. And I feel like that's crazy yeah. because we already bake those expectations into a card price and it doesn't matter when they actually achieve it. I would love for that to matter. I would love for the actual achievement to mean something. But I also want to talk a little bit about what's overrated. And to me, it's you know a player's draft position. High draft picks are extremely overrated to me. I'm old enough to remember guys like Kwame Brown or Anthony Bennett or a Danny Warfel who are just terrible <laughs> professional players. Despite their high draft picks. What well, was, I think, in the second round, Doug? Slow your roll. Okay, well, uh, slow your roll. Point being that high draft picks don't necessarily correlate guaranteed success. No. And furthermore, the way we have our product cycle now, we're able to see those guys on the field before yeah. we have a chance to prospect on them. So now performance matters so much more than draft pick, where that used to be uh, kind of an end-all, be-all for people that maybe didn't watch a lot of college or you know whatever the minor league system would be. We actually have a chance to see them perform now, so draft pick doesn't matter that much anymore. So I think that's the biggest thing that's overrated to me is you know draft spot. Yeah, these are all these are all fair points, and I mean you could go in depth. I mean there's so many factors that come into play. Uh, you know, mark you get a, you know you even look at things like markets yeah. and point in the player's career. Like it seems like people are paying you know people pay for crazy prices in the first couple of years of a player because of all this perceived potential, but then you could have a veteran who's absolutely breaking out and is just having an outstanding, you know, later part of his career and, and no one's yeah, buying his cards. Like boring. You know, well, it was kind of like guy? Matthew Stafford last yeah. year. Like yeah. Matthew Stafford's cards didn't move much last year, despite the fact that he had an incredible season and the Rams went on and won the Super Bowl. Whereas you saw the younger players, everyone's chasing Trevor Lawrence and no one seems to care about Matt yeah. Stafford. Yeah. So. Many, many dimensions to take into account for sure, but, but that is some pretty cool analysis. And of course, if you're going to be doing any type of analysis around the sports card market or the places to invest, your best friend is Market Movers.
Alright guys, it's time for the mailbag section of the show. Questions submitted by you in the YouTube comments that we are going to answer. The first question today uh, came from a viewer who wanted to know if running backs and wide receivers will ever have the same market as quarterbacks. Teapot, how do you slice and dice this? The answer is almost completely no. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons for it, but the biggest thing is longevity. Yeah. It's just longevity. It's not that these, these guys aren't popular. They're very popular, and many times they're more popular than their quarterbacks. Uh, but they have injuries, and it's the long-term sustainability. And even beyond that, even some of the guys who did it for a long time, who are some of the best at their positions of all time, still don't command prices anywhere near quarterbacks of much lower stature. I'm going to rattle off like a, like a thank you acceptance speech, a lot of names here quickly, just to remind everybody this is important. This is con context in NFL, okay? Terrell Davis, Marshall Falk, Thurman Thomas, Jerome Bettis, Ricky Waters, Curdy, Curtis Martin, Eddie George, Marcus Allen, Edron James, Frank Gore, LaShawn McCoy, Sean Alexander, Arian Foster, Jamal Charles, Chris Johnson, Marshawn Lynch, Adrian Peterson, Tim Brown, Chris Carter, Isaac Bruce, Andre Reed, Michael Irvin, Herman Moore, Sterling Sharp, Torrey Holt, Marvin Harrison, Terrell Owens, Jimmy Smith, Andre Johnson, Driver, Jordy Nelson, Steve Smith, Derek Mason, Reggie Wayne, Chad Ochocinco Johnson, Heinz Ward. These are some of the best players Good of names. all time Good from the last 30 years whose card prices go for pennies compared to Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, uh, you know, any of these modern, modern positional players, and it's crazy. So the upside is not there. The best athletes we've ever seen, if they really do it, their prices will settle, and they will progressively appreciate in many cases. I'm really worried because of the number of cards today. Yeah. That, th that won't even be the case for a lot yeah. of these guys. They could go on and have 10, 15-year fantastic careers, and there's so many cards that that shiny object syndrome you were just describing will fade, and it's going to be tough sliding for mm. a lot of those prices. Hmm. Doug? Yeah, so I want the answer to this question to be yes. I want those skill position players to matter, but they, they're not going to for the, all the same reasons. You know, as a hobby, we suffer so much from recency bias that we're going to put all that emphasis on a Jalen Waddell, a Jamar Chase, a Justin Jefferson, forget about all the greats before them. That's just going to happen. It's, it's just kind of part of our nature, I guess. Yeah. But I think, you know, it, football collecting and investing would be so much more fun. And honestly, just for the health of that market, it would be great if those position players mattered more. What, you know, what I would like to see happen is when, you know, we base everything on off quarterback classes. So when you have an exceptional quarterback class like 2020, mm. those quarterback prices get so out of reach for some of us. It'd be nice if we could fall back to the skill position players of that class, uh, Jonathan Taylor or Justin Jefferson, and have those cards matter just as much. Or conversely, when we have a really bad quarterback class like we might be having in 2022, it'd be nice if we would see the skill position players overtake quarterbacks yeah. in, the, in that instance. But, you know, it is what it is. Quarterbacks drive the market. I don't see it changing. Quarterbacks drive the market. I will say on the short term, there is often flip opportunities with, with wide receivers and running backs. There's not as many of their cards graded. In general, supply tends to be lower. There are flip opportunities. I remember after the 2020 season, I went back and did an analysis of what football cards went up the most from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. I believe Mike Evans was number one, and I believe something like seven out of 10 
of the top players that year were wide receivers. Yeah, for sure. But that was very short term. That was over the course of one yep. season. And if you look over the course of a career, yep. you're right. It's the quarterbacks that, yep. that have the better long-term shot. Last year, it was Cooper Cup and Debo Samuel. Right. Yep. They went up the most. Right. But yep. now Cup, injury. Yep. Yep. This year, Travis Etienne, number one so far, yeah. has gone up the most. So interesting. Interesting. Interesting stuff. So short-term potentials there, long-term. I agree with you guys. Second question submitted by the audience. How to reset your collection? How to sell and start from zero? What would this look like? But someone in the audience wants to know. Doug, what do you think? I have no idea. I couldn't imagine getting rid of all of my cards and starting over because I've got a lot of cards I'm very fond of that I would just want to buy back again, right? But I could see a scenario maybe if you get burnt out on ultra-modern and want to pivot fully to vintage or if there is a scenario like that. Uh, I think what you really want to be careful with is the current card economy being somewhat of a double-edged sword. Right now, it's a, it's a low point. So you could be selling low, and if you go into vintage, maybe be buying at a higher point. So I think you really need to pay attention to you know, looking at market movers, setting up price alerts, knowing the right times to buy and sell so that you're, you know, ideally, if you're going to liquidate your entire collection, maybe not do it at its lowest point. And then if you're trying to move into a new collection, maybe not do that at its highest point. You know, use the data that's available, use our tool and, and make smart decisions there. But yeah, I think that'd be a very tricky proposition. Maybe start doing it one card at a time. Start looking for specific cards that might be on their way up, get out of those, and try to find the cards that you want that are on their way down and, and maybe make it a slow process instead of an all at once kind of thing. That's a good tip. If you were advising someone teapot on somebody who just wanted to kind of sell and restart their whole collection, yeah. what do you think they should do? Yeah, there's, uh, there's some things that translate here from the kind of like minimalism movement that's mm -hmm. come along over the last 10, 15 years especially. I got into that for a little while, uh, about a decade ago, and it, you kind of move things into different buckets. Sort your cards, move them in the bucket of, you know, these ones I really like, uh, these ones I'm so-so, and these ones get rid of. And then you can kind of go from there. Now, if you really want to purge, there are ways you can do it. You can do it yourself. You could send the lower dollar ones to like a, a site like ComC and send the other, you know, put the other ones on eBay or try to move them at a show or on social media. Uh, you could consign them all. You could just send them all or fly them up somewhere and consign them. There are consigners who will even do raw cards, <laughs> although you can get crushed on the fees if it's a really low dollar card. Uh, you could also, um, you know, try to sell it as a lot. Your payout is going to be much lower, but a lot of times that's the best way to just get rid of everything. Now, if you're starting from scratch, uh, I would say do your research. Always know your why as a collector, what draws you in and why you're buying cards in the first place. Is it to make money or is it to have a PC? Set a budget and then try to find a really good mentor uh, who can help point you in the right direction. So there's kind of two different things there. Like Doug, I can't really imagine selling all of my cards, but I am probably about to go through that process of kind of sorting. And I think that kind of um, consolidation and refinement of your collection is something everybody enjoys doing. Those are great tips, guys. I appreciate it. And if you have questions you want us to answer on the next show, leave them in the YouTube comments right now, and we'll make sure to get to them next time. Guys, I hope you enjoyed the show tonight. It's been a fun one. If you did, please hit that like button. Please hit that subscribe button. Check out the Behind the Card documentary, and we'll see you soon with our next one. Take care.